Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy! Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How are we doing today? Doing all right? Oh my gosh, we just had a really amazing worship set. You guys sound like that worship put you to sleep. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How are we doing? Good morning. Good morning. All right. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, it's very cold outside, but it's very warm inside here. And uh, praise Jesus for that, because I woke up this morning and I was chilly, man. It was, it was something else. It's like the Holy Spirit came over. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know, we are in the, I'm sorry, we are continuing what we have been uh, devoted to this entire year, right? We have a word of the year that the Lord has given us, and we are dedicated in Christ Fellowship to make sure that we are doing that in the best possible way to honor God as much as possible because he gave it to us. And for those of you who are watching online right now, and for those of you who are here today, I just want us to just say that word right now so that we're very familiar with it. What's the word of the year? Do you guys know what it is? Anchored. Anchored. Yes, anchored. That is the word of the year that God has given us. And the reason why God gave us that word is because he wants us to be anchored in him. He wants us to be solid in him. He wants our faith. He wants our dedication. He wants our hearts to be set in stone in him as we progress throughout our whole entire year. And what an amazing opportunity we have to do that every single day, especially here on Sundays. And one of the ways that we are doing that, one of the ways that we are making sure that we are getting anchored in God is by getting anchored in his word. So this year in Christ Fellowship, we have dedicated ourselves that we are going to go through the entire Bible line by, no, not line by line. We're going to go through the entire Bible this year, book by book. And so far, we have gone through the first four books so far. Can you guys help name them with me? The first one was, the second one was, the third one was, ooh, see how it got a little hazy there? Ah, Gotcha. No. The fourth one was Deuteronomy. Boy, we got to pray for you. Fourth one was Numbers. We learned, about, we learned about Numbers last week. My boy Joel came up here, did an excellent job. Today, we're going to learn about the fifth book, which is considered the fifth book in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. And the fifth book that we're going to learn about today is Deuteronomy. Just toss that out there right now. Fifth one is Deuteronomy, all right? Fourth one is Numbers. All right, well, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a very unique book when it comes down to the Bible. And the reason why I say it's a very unique book is because Deuteronomy doesn't really do what the first five books, I mean, what the first four books have done so far. The first four books of the Bible so far have covered a prolonged period of, of God's people's history, of Israel's history. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, they all cover a span of whether it be generations, 50 or 40 years, 100 years, 200 years, 400 years. All those books cover a huge span of history. But Deuteronomy is unique because Deuteronomy doesn't cover a period of history. What Deuteronomy covers is a pause. It covers a pause. It covers a moment in Israel's history. And to kind of really let you know what I mean by that, let me just try to lay it out as best as I can, right? At the end of Numbers, when Joel spoke last week, he said that God's people were on the plains of Moab, and they were on the verge of getting ready to cross over, into the, cross over the Jordan into the promised land that God had promised them, which was Canaan, right? That was at the end of Numbers. At the end of Deuteronomy, though, it still has God's people on the plains of Moab waiting to cross over the Jordan River into the land that God has promised them, Canaan. But it's not like they were waiting there for like 20 years, 40 years, or anything like that. No, they were waiting there only for a short while. 
And that's why I say Deuteronomy covers a pause. Because you see, Moses, Moses was not allowed to cross over into the promised land with the people that God had told him to rescue. And the reason why is because of something that happened in the book of Numbers. Now, we're talking about Deuteronomy today, but in order for you to understand why Moses wrote Deuteronomy, we have to go back to a very, very short, I'm going to touch on it very briefly, very quick moment in the book of Numbers, okay? It's like we're time traveling, and we're going to come right back, okay? That's it. That's all it is, right? So Moses wasn't allowed to cross over into the Jordan. Why? Why? Well, as you see in Numbers chapter 20, the people of God, as, they, as was their habit that they were doing that entire time, they were complaining, unfortunately. They were complaining to Moses about everything, 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 everything. Every day was a different complaint. Oh, we don't have too, uh, too much manna, too much quail, not enough water, not this, not that, all this other stuff. And you, as well as I know, if you have kids, you know this. And if you have friends who are kind of, eh, you, know, you know this as well. When, pe- when somebody complains to you a lot, what happens to you? You start to get Somebody said annoyed, frustrated. You start to lose a little bit of patience, right? It happens all the time. Husbands, don't look at your wives. Don't do that, right? But that's what happens when, when, you, when you hear it all. So Moses was starting to get really frustrated with the people. So they came up to Moses with this request. I'm not going to say it was a complaint, with a request. They told Moses, we have no water. Our cattle and our people are thirsty, and if we don't get something to drink real fast— you know, what's going on? You know, it was always better in Egypt. Egypt, we always had water, this and that, and all this other stuff. So Moses was like, God, your people need water. And God tells Moses, Moses, gather all the leaders, gather all the people, bring them to this rock that I'm going to show you, and speak to this rock. And out of the rock, water will flow for all the people. So Moses, Moses did that. He gathered all the people. He gathered all the leaders. He gathered his brother Aaron, and they went to this rock. But instead of speaking to the rock, Moses struck the rock out of frustration. He struck it twice. And because and water still flowed out to the people because God keeps his promises, right? But look at what God tells Moses as a result of what Moses did. Numbers chapter twenty. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. This was Moses. This was the guy that God used to help part the Red Sea, to bring forth the plagues, to cross on dry ground when there was walls of water on the left and to the right. This was Moses. The guy wrote the first four books, and all of a sudden, now you tell him, hey, listen, thank you for bringing us this far, but no mas. We can learn something very important here. You see, Moses did what God wanted him to do but not in the way that God wanted him to do it. Have you ever done that? Let's be honest with ourselves, right? Have you ever did something that God wanted you to do, but not in the way that God wanted you to do it? Like, has God ever told you, hey, you know, I need you to go speak to that person. I need you to go speak to them in love and compassion. And you're like, oh, I don't really want to go speak to that person. I really don't like them. So then you go and you do speak to them. God, I spoke to them. But you speak to them reluctantly. You speak to them not compassionately. You speak to them not in love. You're just like, all right, man, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Okay, good. All right, is that it? Good. All right, good, good. God, I did it. I did it, God. I spoke to them. You told me to do it. I did it. Or how about when God says to serve in humility? God always calls us to serve in humility. So we serve, but we do it with like, a hidden agenda. We do it pridefully. We do it in such a way that says, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm serving. I'm doing what God told me to do. Or how about when God tells us that we need to be faithful and to 
not compromise any of our beliefs. We say we're faithful, but we compromise every now and then because we don't really want to offend people. And the same thing always happens when we do things like that. You see, we always... I got ahead of myself for a second. The same thing always happens when we do things like that. Things never turn out the right way. And when they don't, the first thing that we say is, but God, I did what you told me to do. We come back and we say, God, but I did what you wanted me to do. How come things aren't turning out the way that you want? I don't understand. I don't get it. And to that, God would respond, yes, you did do what I told you to do. But you did it on your own terms. Not the way that I wanted you to do it. And just like Moses, God will tell you that you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of my people. And this is a very important lesson for us to learn right here before we continue to move on, because when God instructs us to do something, we should do exactly as God instructs, exactly the way that he instructs us to do it. Because look at what happened to Moses as a result. Moses was kind of, how do you say, In the military, he was relieved of his duties, and he was replaced with Joshua, which is next week. And he was replaced with Joshua. Now, Moses wasn't, how do you say, like super like, oh, my gosh, Lord, no. Like, like, He wasn't like that. He pleaded with God. He's like, God, no, don't do that. And God's like, no, listen, this is what I'm doing. That's it. And Moses accepted it. So Moses realizing this. He realizes, I'm not going to cross over with the people. I have a very short, limited time with them. So because he knows that, he decides to pen his thoughts to paper. Because he does what most of us, what any of us would do. You've seen it happen with family members. You've seen it happen with those people that you love. When they have a little bit of time left, what do they do? When they realize they have a little bit of time left. They tell you the things that matter to them most. They tell you the most important things that you should know in life. They tell you the principles that you should live by. They tell you the things, they they tell you what life is all about. They don't want material things. They don't want any of that, but they sit there and they tell you the most important things that you should know in life. And that is the book of Deuteronomy. This is, this is Moses' letter to the people telling them, these are the most important things in life right now. The most important things that you need to know. I'm not going to be able to cross over there with you, so I'm not going to be able to sit there and remind you of them all the time. But if you listen to this letter, if you read it, if you know it, you'll get it. Deuteronomy. Chapters 1 through 4, just to give you a little quick recount. Moses recounts the journey through the wilderness. He recounts the 40 years to them. The reason why he does this is because it's a new generation. The old generation, they messed up. And this new generation that has sprung up now that is about to cross over, Moses tells them what the old generation did. Why? Because he doesn't want them to repeat the same mistakes. In chapters 4 through 11, Moses gives to them again the Ten Commandments. Listen, these are the things that God wants us to honor the most. These are the things that, these are the ten most important things that God wants us to do above all else. Chapters 12 through 26, Moses tells the people of God about the laws they should live by in order to honor God and how to choose certain leaders. Because, all, because what you soon find out is that later on in their history, they want kings, they want governors, they want statesmen, they want all these different types of people. And God's like, listen, I know what you're trying to do, but listen, before you pick those people, I have a standard that you should be led by. So let me tell you what they are before you go and you just pick anybody that can speak really well. It's not about that. Chapters 27 through 28 He tells them about the blessing and the curses for those who keep the law and for those who break the law. Very good two chapters right there. Chapters 29 through 30, God tells Moses to renew the covenant 
with his people right before they cross over. In chapters 31 through 34, at the very end, Joshua is installed as Moses' successor by Moses, who laid hands on him. And Moses goes up to Mount Nebo, where he passes and is buried by God. Deuteronomy is a pause, a pause in the history of God's people. And as you can see by the way that the chapters progress, Moses is telling them the things that matter most. Check this out. You are about to go into an unknown land with unknown people, with unknown challenges, with unknown territory. You're about to go into a place that you've never stepped foot in in your entire life. There are going to be so many unknown circumstances and problems that are going to pop up in this new season of your life. It's almost kind of like Moses wants them to be anchored in Christ. In God, before they take that next step into a new season of their life. Moses wants to make sure that the people know who God is, what he has done, what he has promised, and what he expects from his people. And what a great principle we can learn from this, that we should be able to apply to our lives, that whenever we enter into a new season of our lives, or that whenever we are about to enter into a new season of our lives, whether it be a new job, a new career, a promotion, a new house, marriage, parenthood, boyfriend, girlfriend, right? A move to a new town, a move to a new neighborhood, a new calling to ministry, whatever the case may be, whenever there is a Jordan River that you are about to cross, what a great principle to live by, that we should take a moment to pause and wait and remember what God has done for us. Because you know it just as much as I do. When you enter into that new season of your life, what is one of the first things that happens? You immediately get swamped. You know it just as well as I do. A new job, you have all these new tasks and all this new training and all these new things. A new place that you're living in, you have to set up the house, you have to move, you have to get the boxes out. You're a new parent, new parents. Come on, new parents. You know what I'm talking about, Anthony. You know it, right? You have, you're a kid. Oh, my God, little baby. You're so busy with life. You can get so busy with the new details of everything that is going on in your life that it could become very easy to just place God on the backside just for a while. But we do it because life has hit us. Life has hit us. It's important to take this pause. And just to give you a really quick example of what I mean by that, Moses tell, tells God's people in Deuteronomy 8, this is the first of many, believe it or not, trust me. Moses tells his people in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 4, he tells this to them. Remember, that word's going to come up a lot. Remember, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why did God do it? To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. A lot of times we're stuck on the other side of the Jordan waiting to cross over, but we can't, not yet, because there are certain things that God is looking at right now that are in your heart, that he's like, listen, that has to get out of there before you can hop over. God doesn't stop you because, oh, I'm just going to stop him just to annoy them. No, God stops because he's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. And he knows that if you were to cross over now, you wouldn't survive. But if you wait for me to work on your heart, if you wait for that, when you do cross over, you'll be ready. You'll be ready for that new season. You'll be ready when it comes to you. But if you don't pause and you automatically go into it, you miss out. You'll miss out. He continues on to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. 
uh, last week, Joel spoke a lot about the manna, which was great. And he did this to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I think Jesus said something like that. I'm not sure. Jesus quoted that exact verse when he was faced up against the temptations of Satan. Jesus said exactly that because he remembered. Verse 4, your clothes did not wear out. Those 40 years that you were wandering in the desert, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Can you imagine that, walking around 40 years wearing the same pair of clothes? Didn't get tattered, didn't fade, no holes in them or anything like that? I'm looking suave, I'm looking slick, I'm looking great. Shoes all intact. I don't know about my feet, but my shoes are fresh. 40 years, think about that. Doesn't say anything about hygiene. Let's talk about the clothes. Clothes were fresh. Moses is telling them, right before you cross over the Jordan, don't forget who kept you. Don't forget who watched over you. Don't forget who fed you. Don't forget who protected you. Don't forget who saved you, who loves you. All throughout this last letter that Moses is writing to God's people, he is constantly telling them to remember and not to forget. The word remember, by the way, it shows up besides, it's the most used word in the book of Deuteronomy, besides the other two words, Lord and God. Lord and God are obviously the most used words there, but the word remember and the word forget, those are the other two words that are the most used throughout the entire book of Deuteronomy. Remember and forget. With the little time that he has left, Moses is pleading with his people to remember and not to forget. I remember myself on my wedding day about 14, 15 years ago. Oh my gosh, if I got that wrong, I'm in so much trouble. Pretty sure it's like 14 years ago. Oh, man, she gave me the look. I got it wrong, right? Um, about 14 years ago, I remember sitting in my house, and um, I had all, you know, my groomsmen just chilling, you know, getting ready to go and stuff like that. But I had to step away from them for a second. I had to go upstairs into my room because I needed a moment with God. And to be honest, I'm going to be really, really honest with you right now. The reason why I wanted this moment with God was because I had so many questions that were rolling through my head right now because here I am about to take this big leap into a new season of my life, into a new Jordan River of my life, so to speak, crossing over and everything. And I had so many questions that were not answered. I knew that me and Jennifer were going to get married. I knew that we were going to live a happy life. But what God wanted us to do, how he wanted us to serve in ministry together, the future of, of, of the plans that he wanted, I had no clue what any of those things were. Talk about a man without a plan right here, right? I, uh, that's how I was feeling. So I removed myself from my groomsmen, went to the room, and I started praying to God. My like, God, please, you have to answer me right now because I need some guidance. I need some direction. I need you to tell me future what's going on right now because everything seems fuzzy and hazy and it's not certain can you please help me out so God answered me but he didn't tell me anything about the future all he did was remind me of everything he did for me in the past that's all he did And all of a sudden, a flood of memories started coming back into my head, almost as if to say God was telling me, Eddie, if I didn't leave you then, and I had you protected back then, and I led you up to this point, what makes you think I'm going to leave you now? All you have to do is trust me, believe in me, follow me, and everything's going to be all right. That was put to the test. Two years in to me and Jennifer being married, I come back from Iraq. I lose my job. Very shortly after that, unfortunately, Jennifer also loses her job. And unfortunately, again, after that, the bill people kept calling. I don't know why. Didn't they not know I lost my job? Just kept calling me. Hey, we need you to pay this. We need you to pay this. And that's what happens. We were kind of like, we didn't press panic immediately, but the pressure was starting to mount in our lives little by little because we were like, yo, like, 
like, you know, these, these bills are still piling up and the finances aren't where they need to be, this and that, all this other stuff. And, you know, things were just starting to get real crazy. And, you know, as men, men, as men, what we want to do is we want to solve the problem immediately and do all the things that we can to make sure that there's no more problems. But at that moment, I realized something. I had to pause. And I'm not telling you that it was easy. Because listen, men, when we want to solve a problem, we want to solve it. There's no stopping us. So us to stop and take a pause to reminisce and remember is not the first thing that comes to our mind for us to do. It's tough. Who wants to do that in the middle of a crisis? Nobody wants to stop. Everybody wants to handle the problem. Everybody, male, female, doesn't really matter. There's a problem. You want to find a solution. Oh, wait, let me just sit back and remember about all the great things that God did for me while the world is exploding around me. The world is caving in on me right now. Let me just, you know, think about nobody really wants to do that. So when I tell you it was tough, it was tough. But I separated myself away, away from Jennifer. I got not like we separated, like, no, no, like she was in the living room. I went to another room like that. Not chill, right? I went to another room and I sat there for hours. Pause. And I started to remember, forced myself to remember all the great things that God had done for me. All the awesome things that he had did in my life. All the miracles that he had performed. All of the things that he had brought me through. And I'll tell you something right now. I walked out of that room the same exact way I felt when I walked in with one difference. I had a little bit of peace. I had a little bit of peace. And I had confidence knowing that, you know what? If he got us through that, he's going to get me and Jennifer through this. And he did. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. He didn't speak to me. He didn't give me some great verse. It was nothing like that. It was simply a sit-down prayer of remembrance for all the things that he had done. And that's all it took. It set me right back to where I needed to be. Excuse me. Right back to where I needed to be, where my faith, my trust, my confidence, my belief was right back centered on him. Because with all the chaos of everything else that was going on, my faith, my belief, my trust was was all over the place. But sitting back, pausing, remembering brought everything back to center. And I was able to move forward. God did that. I came across this really cool quote. I think it's very appropriate for the message that we're speaking about today. It says this. We do not remember days. We we remember moments. We do not remember days. We remember moments. How important is it for us to do this, to take a pause and remember what God has done for us? Because as the saying goes, those who forget the past are what? Are doomed to repeat it. But when I was writing this, I felt like God was putting something on my heart, and he probably said this, those who forget what God has done, forget God. Those who forget what God has done, forget God. Just like Israel, when they left Egypt, it's like they had short-term memory loss or something like that because three days into the whole journey, they forgot everything that God had just did for them. All the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire that came down, all the Egypt. They forgot everything, and the first thing that they wanted to do was, you know what, Eh, let's go back. They forgot. And just like them, we could be in danger of the same thing. They forgot the commands. They forgot the love. They forgot the salvation. They forgot the redemption, the way that others should be treated. They forgot the forgiveness, the provision, the miracles. They forgot what they had been freed from. They forgot the promises, the healing. They forgot how he is present in all things and how he works things out for the good of those who love him. All things. They forgot who God was. And if we're not careful in our own lives to take a pause and remember the things that he has done for us, we can easily forget God too. 
and end up just like them. Forgetting, and this is the, this is the kicker right here. It's really hard for me to write. I didn't want to write it, but God put it. I had to write it. Forgetting leads to one thing. It leads to disobedience. It does. Because we forget that we are held accountable and that there are certain things and principles that God wants us to live by. And if we forget God, we forget his principles. If we forget God, we forget his commands. If we forget God, we forget his word. If we forget God, we forget his forgiveness. If we forget God, we forget his love. And all of a sudden, everything just gets flipped upside down and turned a different way. It's impossible. Check this out. It's impossible to walk in obedience with God if we forget the rhythm of how he wants us to walk. It's impossible to walk in obedience with God if we forget the rhythm of how he wants us to walk. Moses, on three separate occasions in Deuteronomy, he repeats himself. And when I read these verses, because I read, I read the whole book, and when I read it throughout, I thought to myself, why does Moses keep repeating himself with this one particular verse? I mean, I just don't get it. You would think that the people would get it. You just have to write it one time because it's really impactful. But why does he keep writing it over and over and over again? But then I realized something. I'm going to leave you hanging. I'm going to tell you after. But let me just share those three verses with you real fast. They're very different, very, very different. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Moses tells this to his people. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. What command was he giving them? At this time, when Moses wrote this part, this verse 15 here in this chapter, Moses told them this right after he told them how they should treat their servants that that served them for, for more than seven years. He tells them, listen, remember, you have servants now. That's great. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember that you were slaves in Egypt and how that was. So how should you treat your servant after seven years? And he tells them, after seven years, you should release your servants, but don't just release them empty-handed. Release them with an abundance of what you have. Give to them so that way they can go on and be successful in their own lives. Because remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, verse 18 Moses tells them this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. What command, was he, what command was he talking about at this time? Moses said this right after he told them how they should treat the alien, which means foreigner, how they should treat the fatherless, how they should treat the widow when it comes down to how you should administer justice right? Think about it. Listen, if somebody does you unjustly, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember the forgiveness that I gave you. Remember the mercy that I gave you. Remember the compassion that I showed you. Remember all those things when it comes down to you administering justice to these people, because remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And a little while right after that, in Deuteronomy 24, 22, Moses tells them something very different. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Moses said this to them again, right after telling them how they should harvest their fields. That when you harvest your field, When you are picking from the vines, whatever falls off from the vine, let it remain there on the floor. Don't pick it up. You're already packing your basket full of stuff already. But leave the stuff that falls on the floor, leave it there. Leave it for the fatherless. Leave it for the widow. Leave it for the foreigner. Leave it for the alien. Because so that they could have something to eat as well. Because I have provided you with such abundance. Don't forget, you were once slaves. In Egypt. 
but now you have abundantly. So don't forget where you came from and what was done so that way you can act accordingly with others. Now, we may not be able to relate to that phrase. Remember when you were slaves in Egypt, because I'll be honest with you, I was never a slave in Egypt and neither were you. At least I don't think. Anybody? No. We were never slaves in Egypt. But if you have Christ Jesus in your heart right now, if you know him intimately and personally, you know for a fact that you were once slaves to sin. You were once slaves to sin. And Christ freed you from that. He rescued you from that. He showed compassion on you. He showed love. He showed mercy. He did that to bring you into a place where he could be with you personally. Moses is reminding them of the mercy that was shown them, the compassion that was shown them. He was reminding them how they should treat others according to the way that they were treated by God. Why is that so important? Why is that so important for Moses to remind them about how God treated them? Because Moses knows. Moses knows that the way they treat others is a direct reflection of the God they serve. Whether it's accurate or inaccurate. It's a direct reflection of the God they serve. And that's true of us as well, believe it or not. It's true of us as well. Do you know that? Do you know that particular individuals, I'm not saying it's right, but particular individuals will decide whether or not they want to know God or Christ or Jesus or attend your church based off of you? Do you know that? It's true. They will, they will make a decision on whether or not they will attend church based off of how you treat people and the way that they observe how you treat other people. If they see that you're somebody who is disingenuous, if they see that you're somebody who is not loving, if they see you as somebody who is not compassionate, if they see you as somebody who doesn't have any humility or anything like that, they're going to tell themselves, why would I want to go to a church like that? And, I'm not, and here's the thing. I'm not saying it's right because one person shouldn't represent the overall, right? Because if one person is doing bad, but the other 99 are good, then the church is great, right? But it doesn't matter. It's human nature. It's what we do. We take one thing and we apply it to the overall when it should be the other way around. We should take the overall and apply it to the one thing, but we don't do that. So people, unfortunately, base, base their decision on whether or not they want to know Jesus Christ off of you. No pressure. If we forget and walk around with no accountability, if we treat others horribly, if we are selfish and greedy and uncaring, if we show no fear or respect to the Lord, our God, who did all these signs and wonders, who would want to know a God like that? Who would want to attend a church like that, let alone be a part of anything that that church is doing. It's crazy. It's true. It's unfortunate, but it happens. Moses wants to make sure that not only that they remember, but that God is represented accurately. So that when they do cross over the Jordan, the people would know who the one true God is. When you sit and read the book of Deuteronomy, you can sense the urgency of Moses. You can. It's almost like, I have to write as much as I can get down before, before they go. I have to write as much as I get down before they leave. Because Moses doesn't know when God is going to call them to go. So Moses is trying to write down as much as he could possibly write down before they go. He wants them to remember and not to forget. But he takes it one step further. One step further. Towards the end of the book in chapter 32, if you have an NIV, it has it kind of labeled a little bit, depending on what version of the Bible you have. But in chapter 32, there's something called the Song of Moses. 
Moses was one of the illest lyricists of all times. Hands down. Hands down. And in this song, he has this one verse that really, really stood out to me. And it kind of made me just sit back and think about what it is that this is all about. And Deuteronomy 32, 7, this is what Moses tells his people. Remember, remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. In this part of the song of Mo- in this part of the song, Moses is telling God's people to remember, but not just for their sake, but for the sake of the generations that come after them. Ask your father and he will tell you. Tell you what? I can imagine when I read that, I just sat back and I had a flood of imagery coming into my head. I can imagine them already crossing. We're not there yet. I know we're not there yet, but I can imagine them having already crossed over the Jordan. I can imagine them in the land that God has promised them. I can imagine the father, um, the father plowing the fields, getting the harvest ready, having their house with their, wife, with, with their wives and their children playing around all over the place. And I can imagine it's dinner time. And the kids come up to their father, Daddy, Daddy, tell us about that time when, when, when God split the Red Sea. Dad, Dad, can you tell us about that time when God did that fantastic miracle? Dad, 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 can you tell us about the time? Can you tell us all about what happened with you and God when you were in the desert? Tell us about the pil- pillar. Tell us about this. God, can you please tell us? Can you please tell us? I say that because my kids do that to me. And I can imagine that father sitting, all right, all right, calm down. Everybody, just take a seat. Take a seat. Take a seat. Gather, 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 gather. Shh, quiet, be quiet. I'm going to tell you, no, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you from the beginning. And the father would probably start the story like this. Son, I remember when we were slaves in Egypt. And he would continue on from there. You see, Our moments with God, our moments, our personal moments with God become our testimonies to others. They become our testimonies to our friends. They become our testimonies to our loved ones, our family, our children, the next generation. Our moments become beacon of hopes to those who are downcast and saddened by their circumstances. Your moments with God provide inspiration and motivation to those who are on the cusp of giving up and walking away. Your moments give them that motivation to get back up and keep going. God has given you those moments not just for you, not just for you, but that so that he can be glorified and shown to others as he really is, are you willing to share your moments? Your moments not only remind you of his awesome power, but they instill faith into those who hear it. And I get it. And I get it. Sometimes we are going through things and it's tough to stop and pause and take a moment to remember. I get it. But I wonder, right now, are you in need of a pause? Are you in need of a pause? Are you on the cusp of entering into a new season of your life? Or have you been stuck on one side of the Jordan, not being able to go over yet? Could it be that God is working on your heart right now and that there are certain things that he wants you to remember before you can make that journey over. I believe right now in this sanctuary that God is trying to remind you right now of some of those moments. Moments where it seemed like the world was caving in on you and he showed up and showed out. 
Moments where you didn't know where the next paycheck was coming, but somehow, some way, it showed up anyway. Moments where the crisis was knocking at your door, but Jesus said, eh, come back later. We're busy right now worshiping. Jesus could very well be tugging at your heart right now because you are going through something and he wants you to pause. He wants you to pause. Take a moment and remember. Because when you do, it becomes clear who protects you. It becomes clear who watches over you. It becomes clear who keeps you, who never abandons you, who loves you, who is faithful to you. It becomes clear. And right before you cross over that Jordan into the next season of your life, if you remember, I guarantee it, you will have peace. You will have confidence. You will be in step with God. Why? Because you took that moment to think about him. And all the times that he was there for you, and you recognized him. So at this moment, we're going to have a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I want you to just sit. Take a minute or two. Because if you don't do it here, I don't know why I feel like God is telling me to tell you this. You might not get a chance to do it at home. You might not get it a chance because the moment you walk out of that door, guess what's going to happen? Life is going to hit you. It's going to hit you. And the details and the busyness of everything is going to come upon you. And I feel right now with all of my heart that God wants you to stop, pause, and take a moment to think about all the things that you could possibly think of that you know for a fact that he did for you, when he was there for you, when he cared for you, when he watched over you, when he brought you out of something and into something great, when you saw that there was no way out, but he gave you the way out. I want you to think about all those possible moments. The moments where you were forgiven for something that you thought that you would never be able to be forgiven for. The moment you thought that sin had, had every power over you, but God broke that chain. Moments where, moments where you thought the relationship was broken and shattered and that it would never be repaired, but God came back and said, no, 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 I'm going to fix that. Let me get my hands on it. I'll take care of it. Pause. Take a moment. I can imagine, I can imagine a few weeks from now, maybe, at the next family gathering that you have, whether it be for Valentine's Day or a birthday or anything like that. I can imagine you being at this place with all the little children running around. And because of the way that you have portrayed God and because of the way that you have lived out your faith, people all of a sudden are attracted to why you are like that. And I can imagine you, all right, and all the kids, hey, why are you like that? And you say, well, you know, I'm like that because of the Lord Jesus Christ saved my life. Well, what, what, what do you mean? What has he done for you? This and that. All right, you want to know? You want to know? You want to know? Sit down. Gather around. Behave. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to start from the beginning. You see, I remember when I was a slave to sin, Christ came and saved me. Let me tell you about that moment. Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you so much for all the things that you have revealed to us today, Lord. That we should pause and take a moment, Lord, to think about the things that you have done before entering into a new season of our life, my God. I pray, Lord, 
that we don't just do this today, Lord, but as tough as it may be throughout the rest of our lives, Lord, that we would find the time, Lord, to remove ourselves from the situation, to sit back and pause, my Lord, and to think about all the amazing things that you have done, my Lord. So that way, when we enter into that new season of our lives, God, we could represent you and give glory to you in the proper way, my Lord. I pray, God, that those remembrance, those moments, my God, bring to us confidence and peace, my Lord, that we have never experienced, excuse me, in our lives, my God. I pray that it takes us to a deeper and more intimate relationship with you as we sit and think about the things that you have done, my Lord. We know life is busy, my God. We know life can be chaotic, my Lord. We know that life can take twists and turns and so many things can come out of left field, my Lord. But I pray, God, that we would learn to sit and pause and remember you. Thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Take a moment. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.